Okay, let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we come before you and ask you to reveal yourself to us. To teach us to be aware of the gaze of the Father, his eyes of love and tenderness. Reveal our hearts to us. Help us to have hope and trust so that we may at every moment place our hearts in your hands. That we may remain with you and in you. That we may be bearers of the gospel. So that the whole world may become a world of saints and of brothers and sisters. We ask this in your name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, and we're going to have a slightly shorter session, I think, um, and have the opportunity after this for you to um, have a little time of conversation. Um, we'll have a, a list of questions for you, or a time of conversation with the Lord, um, or other people will let you, let you choose that. Um, but I want to talk a little bit um, specifically about um, catechesis, explicitly, and there's a handout as you came in that was, um, that's an excerpt from a book Deacon Keating wrote, um, Resting on the Heart of Christ, and I'm going to take some quotes from, uh, from this book and an article he wrote also on catechesis. And um, he's really the one that, um, that taught me this dynamic and um, this invitation of teaching. Um, and it kind of saved my life in graduate school. I might have died. Um, I was in graduate school just after I made my first vows, and... Um, I went to the to Ave Maria University. Um, they have an institute for pastoral theology, and um, we would meet one weekend a month. And I was at the Kansas City site, so we'd go there once a month, and we would have 18 hours of class in two days. And um, it was as miserable as it sounds um, <laughs> most of the time. It was great information, but just really inhuman. Um, you can't, you just can't do that. Um, wasn't respecting our humanity, but, um, and then we would just, you know, have graduate school. So you have papers to write and 800 pages to read and all sorts of things. And I was working at the Institute for Princely Formation at the time, and so one day I went and talked to him, and I told him, I said, I'm going to die. Like, I spend every minute reading. I hate theology. I hate every book I read, every saint I have to read. It's not fun. It's not fun at all. I used to love all of this stuff, and now I don't because every single minute um, I'm just trying to like go through, finish it, write the paper, get it done. Um, 
And he said, well, just stop reading. Well, you can't really stop reading. I'll fill all my classes. Uh, He said, well, don't really stop reading. But read what Jesus invites you to read. Stay with where you encounter him, where you find him. And trust that he knows exactly what you need to know. And if you stay with him, you'll be fine. And it sounds like you read about five pages in a month, right? But you can actually read a lot more than that. Um, And it was this beautiful gift of remembering that the only reason you're studying theology is to know the person of Jesus Christ. And there really is the possibility um, of encountering Christ every time we read the lives of the saints any content, theological content, scripture um, content, that we want to pay attention to him who comes to us as truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. So as we encounter Christ in the truth, we are encountering Jesus himself. And, um, and really from that, as I started changing how I was reading, um, it was this very, very grace-filled experience. Um, I actually really enjoyed it um, and was very grateful for the opportunity to study. Um, and it's given me this great desire um, to continue to study. And we're really invited into that, especially those who are entrusted with different types of formation um, or catechesis or other kinds of mission that we want to have this lifelong habit of studying because it's always an opportunity to encounter Christ. But we're invited to do that in a a particular way. So a quote from Deacon Keaton, and he's quoting um, Ratzinger, so before he was Pope Benedict, he wrote this book called Behold the Pierced One. And he quotes him in this, A catechist is someone who desires to rest upon the heart of Christ and to receive all that he wishes to give from that heart. What is in the heart of Christ? Only by participating in what is most personal to Christ, his communication with the Father, can one see what this most personal reality is. And Jesus invites us into that relationship with the Father. He wants to show us what it is like to be loved by the Father, to be known by the Father. Only thus can one penetrate to his identity who Christ is, and who we are in Christ. The church arises out of participation in the prayer of Jesus, which is exactly what the Mass is. It's a prayer of Christ to the Father that we are invited into, that we are called to be participants in. This beautiful invitation to rest our head on the heart of Christ, to receive from him, and to give and share that. And we can do that with three-year-olds and 13-year-olds and every other age. That's what everyone really wants. To be invited into that relationship with Jesus with the Father. He can 
continues, to have Christ pray in us happens as the logical outcome of allowing him to behold us in love. So if we receive Jesus' gaze, he will pray in us. He will draw us into his conversation with the Father. What does he say? What's it like? Just allow him to love you. As we respond to this beholding, we let what he has affected, namely our mind and our heart and our will, to become entryways through which he passes in order to dwell within us. So it really transforms our mind and our heart and our will when we receive Jesus and welcome him into us. When we welcome his gaze, when we let him gaze on us in love. Whether it's while we're teaching, while we're doing the laundry, while we're in a meeting, it doesn't matter. The invitation is to become accustomed to, to develop the habit of receiving Christ's gaze. That some part of our heart can be attentive to that in the midst of activity. We can't do that without a daily habit of prayer. Because that's when God forms our hearts and helps us to be able to hear his voice in the silence so that we can hear it in the noise. But that daily time of prayer, we're called to let it overflow into the rest of our lives. And it simply is just being with Jesus. Letting him love you, gaze upon you, talk to you, and sharing your day with him. And then he will dwell in us. This is really what happened at Pentecost. They welcomed the Holy Spirit. The decision to open these doors and allow him to enter our hearts is dramatic. Will I or will I not resist Pentecost? And it's not a choice that we make one time in our life. It's a choice that we make over and over and over and over, all day long. With the coming of the Spirit comes personal knowledge of God, a knowledge that deepens doctrine within, but does not leave us only contemplating data. Reception of the Spirit always leads to a truth become love. The Spirit helps us receive his truth so that we might know his love. When I was in college, um, we were doing, I was helping with youth ministry at the cathedral in Sioux Falls, and we decided to do small groups for um, junior high and high school religious education. So I was working with the DRE, and we were doing small groups. And I had a group of high schoolers. And on the first day of class, I was just kind of trying to find out like what they knew and where they were at in their faith. And so he started with the Gospels. Okay, well, who are the four Gospel writers? Nobody knew in the class of ninth graders who the four Gospel writers were. Two 
two of the kids in the class sometimes went to Mass on Sundays with their families. The rest of them, not at all. And I was mystified. Like, why would parents send their kids to religious education and not take them to Mass? This is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard of. Like, why, do you, why would they care about religious ed if they don't even go to Mass on Sunday? There's real effort. Like, it's a busy day, got to get home from school, eat supper, get to the church. It's a lot of work. What's going on? And as I talk to these kids about their experiences, their faith and their family life and what they had had before in their religious formation, I realized that mostly it was super boring. And they didn't see from their family experience any actual meaningful experience of Christ, they weren't convinced that Jesus cared about them in their daily life, that he could change and transform their experience. Their parents didn't know Christ. They didn't know him. And for whatever reason, they were bringing them to to class, which is, you know, a good start. But for nine years, they hadn't been convinced that Jesus really matters. And that he can make any difference in their so why would they learn information about it? It's hard enough to convince kids that algebra has an important pertinence in our life. When am I ever going to use this again? What about the data of our faith? If we don't communicate it from a place of encounter, then it just becomes information. Information that appears a lot less pertinent than algebra equations. And this is something that we all should be really praying and begging the Lord for. Because there's a lot happening that's really hopeful. But many parishes have their DREs or their priests begging for some person just to come teach these kids. And they don't have any formation or training. So probably they have an encounter with Christ at some point. And some of them are spectacular, amazing, alive people. It's a challenging situation. And they come from families and places that don't always share the living gospel. And so they come to your class for 24, 30 sessions, depending on the program. 
<clears throat> about one day when you come down to it. And 364 other days, their entire experiencing is saying the exact opposite thing of what they encounter in the one day that you view with them. But if they encounter something different, then it will transform their life, whether you see it right then or not. Down the road, they'll say, there was something crazy about that person. <laughs> but they were happy. There was something different. The messiness of the world didn't weigh them down. A catechist who rests their head on the heart of Jesus doesn't have to worry about just communicating data. The natural response is this invitation to the encounter. Finally, Deacon Keating says that doctrine is the intellectual fruit of the church's contemplation of the profound and singular love that is the cross and resurrection. It's always the message. We have one message. It's a Paschal mystery. Catechists are invited to behold this love, allow it to affect them, fall or surrender to its beauty, and then think out of such a mind that has been so affected. And this is the scary part. First, we have to be converted. We have to be changed and transformed. We have to be moved. And then, if we do this, we can lead students into the mystery we behold and not simply the data we have grasped. And we know who those people in our parishes and our ministries are that are coming from the heart of Christ. Okay. You know those people. And everyone else is just wanting to be led into that invitation. Catechists pass on not only the tradition, but the mystery, wherein knowledge culminates in love. And this is the mission. And that's what catechesis in the heart of Christ looks like. It's like a vibrant and living sharing of the encounter. And you see that evangelization and catechesis are deeply intertwined, that they can't be separated. And that the Lord is inviting us to imagine what that looks like. What does it look like for me, for my family, for my parish? my class, for my students.
And there's not one magical program. I'm pretty sure that's true. We keep trying, oh, this is going to work. This is going to fix everything. And it's not because it comes back to the relationship. Programs and tools can be very helpful. But Jesus is the answer. It's that relationship, that encounter, that going back to resting our heads on the heart of Christ as he speaks with the Father. That's what makes all the difference in the world. I want you to take a moment and think about some person who has affected you in terms of your faith. Some person that you have received and come to know Christ because you came to know them. Just take a moment and think about that person. And what about them, your experience, your relationship with them, led you to Christ? give me an answer. What are some things? What about that person led you to Christ? Humility. Humility. Okay. What else? Invitation. Invitation. Inviting. What else? Love. Love. Okay. Joy. Joy. He trusted me that I was smart enough to get it too. He trusted in you. Okay. Saw something in you. Okay. Genuine interest in my life. A real and genuine interest in your life. Prayerfulness. Prayerfulness? I always thought it was good when they would want to talk about it. Like at coffee, you would talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus? Yes. She had a gentleness to her, but she could still command a whole room of third graders. Okay. (laughs) Gentleness, but get your attention. Okay. What else? Say that again? Acceptance. Acceptance. Okay. Accept us as we are. Anything else? Excitement for the Lord. Okay. Excitement. Make God real. And make God real. Yeah. Directness. Directness. <laughs> Nobody said they gave you a great information. Now, for sure that happened, too. You learned and received truth. But first is the encounter, that relationship. That relationship. I'm going to check my time because I always think I have more than I do.
As you think about the particular mission that the Lord is entrusting to you, okay, what's he giving you, what's he asking you, what's he inviting you to, I invite you to consider a few questions. Um, in a few minutes, I'm going to dismiss you and let you go. Um, and you can, you're invited to do one of two things. Um, you can find a little group of people to have a conversation um, and talk about how the Lord is inviting and stirring in your heart as you think about these things. Or you can go talk to Jesus in the chapel wherever, and, and have a conversation with him. So whatever you find will be most helpful for you, feel free to do. Um, I'll leave these up in here so if people want to meet in here. Um, here's some possible questions, but you don't have to stick to these if you don't want to. What helps you stay with Jesus? What things take you away and make it hard to rely on Christ rather than yourself? What excites me about my mission? What dreams do you have? How has Jesus spoken to you this weekend, and how is he inviting you to say yes? And it may be helpful if there's a group of you from a parish or a school or that work together in ministry to, to gather together um, so you can share what you've received. Because once you go back to wherever you came from, um, that the time is harder to find sometimes to have, have really deep and meaningful sharing. So I invite you to, to consider that meeting with with those that you work with and do mission with. Before we go, um, though, I just want you to take a moment and pause, to stop, to notice, to be aware of what's stirring in your heart, your thoughts, your feelings, your desires. Take a moment again to share those with the Lord. This invitation to pay attention and let ourselves stop in the midst of the day, in the midst of whatever we're doing, is a great habit to cultivate in a way to help others notice and be aware of the presence of God with us. And our faith does this really naturally. We pray before meals, we pray before and after things. Um, we don't always have a habit of really noticing that. So as we come and go, just receive that opportunity and that invitation to notice, to pay attention, and to bring that into conversation with the Lord. And Christ gave us this beautiful prayer that helps us to return to our dialogue with the Father. And I invite you really to pay attention to the words as we pray. 
what catches your attention, what stirs your desire. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.